Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to Kesed. My name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited that you're here with us. Merry Christmas to you. I hope that uh, you've had a pleasant holiday season so far. Um, We're in a series right now called What Can I Bring? And it's an entire series on generosity and on this idea that as Christians, we are called to be generous uh, and not just with our finances, but with our time, with the way that we love people, with the way that we deal with difficult situations and so on. And so that's what the whole kind of theme of the series is about. Um, Next week, as you saw in announcements, we're going to have what is called our red envelope service. And if you're new to Kesset or haven't haven't been here through a holiday service, uh, the red envelope service is something we've done every single year since we existed to remind us that we are supposed to be people who are generous. And it's a service uh, all about giving outside the four walls of Kesset. So at the very beginning, Uh, We took the biggest offering of the year, which was usually during that kind of second and third week of December, and we brought somebody from outside our church, and we interviewed them, and we talked about their mission, and then we gave everybody red envelopes, and then whatever they put in the red envelope went directly to those people. There was no cost of putting on the service or anything uh, taken out of, and then we were able to bless people outside us to remind us that, that not everything's about just this organization or this movement. Um, I want to tell you a story that happened this week in preparation for uh, the Red Envelope service next week. Uh, we picked our people that we're going to give to, the Live Love Center, and we organized everything, and everything was dialed in. And then uh, Pastor Tom brought up that last year, uh, people had a hard time with the full-size envelopes, getting them to go uh, into the small black boxes on the, on the back wall, because that's how we collect offering here. Other than text to give or mailing in a check, you generally give an offering through uh, putting the check or something in the little black boxes. And he's like, hey, these envelopes are really long. And last year, because they stick out, we actually had some peop- somebody grab them. And so we needed to get other envelopes that fit in. And uh, one of our team members, Monty, was like, that's her project. She's going to go and get envelopes. And so, <laughs> and so Monty's like driven to get envelopes that nobody can steal and that will make sure and fall all the way down inside the little black boxes. And Monty walks in and says, I found them and hands me these. And I was like, Monty, you can't be serious. And she's like, that's all that will fit. And I was like, Monty, these are like recession red envelopes. These are like, like unless we're going to take everybody's credit cards and just pop them in there and drop them in the box, these probably aren't going to work. And she starts laughing and she's like, all right, I'll go back to work. So I would like to report that with uh, Monty's hard-earned effort, we have envelopes that actually fit for the first time this year. So, uh, but... <laughs> I just was dying. I was like, welcome to generous service. Please feel free to, if you could get a quarter and two dimes in there, that'd be great. We'd really appreciate it. But I just, I, I, it's just, it, it killed me. It killed me. So I had to share with you. Um, that said, today, uh, today is, is going to be, I think, a little bit of an uncomfortable service. Uh, I think you're going to watch me be uncomfortable because today we're going to talk about uh, what it means to be generous with our money. Now, if you've been a part of Kesed for uh, at any length of time, you know that I don't, I don't talk about money. I think I, we tried to look up the last time I actually did a service talking about money, and I think it was over 10 years ago. So this is something that I do not enjoy doing. This is something that, uh, that I'm going to try and get better at, and that so far, the last two services have said it's, it's, it's been one of their actually favorite talks. So just be prepared that uh, there will be no shame, there will be no guilt, um, but there also will be no punches pulled about what the Lord says about us and how we are supposed to be generous with our money. Also be clear, I'm not talking about Kesed. Uh, 
I'm talking about the kingdom and the way that God wants us to steward all of our resources. But specifically today, we're going to talk about money. And the reason is because we all have a money story. Every single person in this room has a way you think and process the way that money, uh, the role that money plays in your life. Uh, you, you have a kind of a, a theology, if you will, around money. And a lot of us uh, have a money story that's been wounded. Um, I'm going to go first and tell you a little bit about my money story. Uh, I've been in full-time vocational ministry for coming up on 24 years. And for the first 10 years of that, before Kesset, I was on staff at a different church that, uh, that, was, that did a really bad job with money. And so as a pastor at that church, I got to see behind the scenes the different ways that, that, that money was used to manipulate, different ways that, that we would kind of shame-based crowds in order to get more money, and so on and so on and so on. And so my money story is filled with a lot of trauma around this topic, especially with church. And so that's why Kesed has been uh, a place that you could go if you're spiritually curious and church hurt because we stay away from all that kind of drama. But here's the problem. When I left that church, God said, well, you're still supposed to be in ministry and you're still supposed to pastor. So uh, I think you're supposed to plant another church. And whether you know it or not, uh, money is a part of church planting and a part of kind of funding the ministry as a whole. And so I had a problem because I had all these woundings about money, and yet God called me to plant a church, which along with prayer and love and fasting and leadership also requires money, and I didn't know what to do. So I'll never forget the very first time we gathered in a room, it was at the Red Cross building downtown uh, near Officers Row. That's the very first time we ever had a meeting about what would later be called Kesson. And I told them everything I just told you. Here's the thing I want to build. I want to be part of something where it doesn't hold one man as the brand. I want to be a part of something that doesn't raise uh, a certain group of people higher than everybody else. And especially, I want to be a part of a group that, doesn't, uh, that isn't dictated by money and overspends and underplans. And so therefore, sermons that were supposed to be about this always end up somehow becoming about money because we're not paying our bills because it's not managed well and I just went off on money. And at the end, a ton of those people were like, yes, we want to be a part of that. And I was like, that's awesome. And I was about to close in prayer when someone from the back row said, so where do we give our money? And I was like, um, yeah, no, I'm good. Like, I mean, God's just good and we're going to let him provide. And the guy's like, yeah, I, I want to write a check. I want to be a part of this. So, so where, do we, where do we give our money? Like, can we take an offering? And I was like, mm. like, that seems like a weird way to start a church that doesn't want to be about money, doesn't it? And other people kind of looked at each other because they weren't near as wounded as I was. And, and, and for sure, a person in the back row found uh, 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 like a paper, brown paper bag with handles. And they said, here's what we'll do. We'll set this up front, Danny, and after you're done, if anybody wants to help out, they can go up and they can give some money. So they brought up this brown paper bag with handles and they set it on the little stage and I wrapped up my incredible talk and I asked them to be a part of all the things God was gonna do without ever mentioning money. And at the end, people started coming up. And I'll never forget sitting in the back uh, with Pastor Chris Potter was the, uh, one of the other folks that helped start Kesson. And he's like, they're actually putting like money in that, in that bag. <laughs> like that, this is weird. Like we didn't even preach about it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, strange. And at the end, the money was counted and we had $6,500 to start our little church. We put a deposit down on Furstenberg and paid, I think, the first three or four months' rent. And then we bought a very tiny, very underpowered sound system. That's what we did with the, the money we didn't ask for that, that God gave. 
And from there, you would think, well, then, Danny, obviously you experienced a lot of healing. Everything got better. No, not so much. And so for the first six or so years of Kessid, we never passed an offering. We had boxes in the back, and we would tell people, hey, if you want to help out, if you want to participate, there's boxes in the back. And that was it. We, we didn't pass anything. We, didn't, we, just, we just avoided it all together. And God very slowly provided for us in a way that, uh, that has brought some healing to my money story, but, but not completely. My hope today is that I am authentic with you and that I meet you in your place of discomfort around this topic. That as you sense me being uncomfortable, which doesn't happen a ton, that, that, it's, it, that it at least comes across as genuine that when I talk about uh, Kessid's money story, if you will, that you're able to engage with it in a, in a healthy way that for some of you who've been a part of churches who's, who's, who felt like their primary mission was to raise money, not raise disciples, uh, that, that you would not hear that here, that you would not smell that here, that actually today for you would be, would be very healing. Amen? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I had nine people go, amen. All right. That's all right. That's all right. I'm with you. Uh, here's how we're going to start. The first thing we're going to do is look at Jesus's money story. Uh, the, probably the most famous passage about Jesus kind of dealing with money or wealth is Luke 21, 1 through 4. It says this, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Now, the Bible talks a lot about money. Here's some kind of themes that run through the Bible and through this idea that Jesus is teaching here. First off, that if you are a Christ follower, generosity is a trait. Generosity is a trait of every single Jesus follower. From Melchizedek to Abraham to Malachi to Jesus to Paul, the Bible says about our money, says more about our money than prayer, healing, or mercy. That's how often it talks about money. Next, giving is biblical. Money or wealth, which is known as mammon in the New Testament, is mentioned 800 times in Scripture according to some. Next, worshiping money is one of the hardest things not to do. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is a through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. As a response to this, God has very clearly put inside his Bible ways in which we are to give. And there's two primary kind of ways that we as Christ followers are to participate in the generosity of giving. The first one is tithe, and the second one is grace giving. Tithe is primarily an Old Testament concept. Tithe means one-tenth of an annual produce or earnings formally taken as a tax for the support of the church and clergy. And so at this time, you had the tribes of Israel. One tribe was a tribe of priests, and they maintained the temple, and they also maintained all the social systems for widows and orphans and marginalized people and so forth. And the other 11 tribes would tithe 10% to fund this tithe, this tribe, that would then use those resources to support the nation and everybody in need there, and that's how God set it up. But it wasn't just any 10%, it was first fruits, meaning the best of what you had. And the idea was this, that God gives everything, and we are to be reminded that we are to give back to God and to his church and to the movements of him. Now, 
This is, a, this is an interesting concept for some of us who grew up in church because you could ask the questions quite simply, but the church today doesn't do all that. The church today doesn't, isn't providing the social system. The church today is not always out just taking the funds and, and meeting every single need of everybody in town. There's other ways that that happens now. So what is it that we are to do now? Well, the New Testament meets in a very interesting place around the principle of grace giving. Primarily, that's what dominates the discussion through Paul's writings. Paul is writing, and he's teaching the church about giving. And all these people understand the concept of tithe. It's, it's required in their world, much like a tax. But this is what he says. The point is this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Wait, what? It's not a tax anymore? That's according to Paul and according to what he's being revealed to by the Holy Spirit. Each one should give according to what he has decided in his heart, but not not like have to, not compulsively, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. This is what Paul's point is inside that passage, that we are all called to graciously give something. Everybody's called to graciously participate in the family and in the community. And if you decide to give 10%, then you should. And if you decide to do less or more, it seems according to Scripture that you have the freedom to decide what to give. The amount is up to us. But, and I'll put it on the screen, as respectfully and uncomfortably as I can, giving nothing isn't an option. This would be like if someone invited you over for dinner after church today. And they were like, hey, do you want to come over and hang out and have dinner with my family and another family and another family and your family? The first thing generally out of most of our mouths would be what? What can I bring? Now you finally, now you see, now you see where the series was headed this whole time, yeah? You're like, oh, I get it now. Oh. What can I bring? Because you want to participate in the experience. For you to show up and have all three of the other families provide everything, you're just like, hey, thanks. And that changes the environment. We all know those friends, don't we? That never, ever, <laughs> I saw so many faces right now. Are they here? Are they here? <laughs> so many faces went. Yeah, we all know those friends that when you invite them over, they never ask, what can I bring? And it makes the experience different, doesn't it? And it's really special, too, when you go, what can I bring? And this happens all the time to me, and they're like, nothing, I got it. And you're like, wow, that's cool. But it's different than, hey, you want to come over? Sure, hope the food's good. Sure hope the service is strong. I just wish worship was different. I wish they had some speaking that was this way or that way or that way or that way. But you never bring anything, so why are you talking? That's what's uncomfortable sometimes about church communities because people are wounded like me around money and so they decide that they're not to participate financially in any way whatsoever. Now, let me say very carefully and very clearly that it may not be to church that God has called you to give, but it should be somewhere. It should be somewhere. We all gather here at Kesed 
So we might want to consider bringing something. For we should give something to someone. And I would say, if you don't receive anything from this place, if, the, if, if you don't learn anything, if you're not participating, if this, is, if this place is not for you, if you're just a visitor, then yes, give to someone else, but be a generous person. And if this is your church home, and this is your church family, and you are participating in all these other ways that, that engage with the resources of the church, then maybe you should be a part of the resources of the church. Generous people are always finding new ways to be generous. So stop saying you didn't know. Because the truth is, generous people, did you know this is a fact, that most people who are strong givers give to seven different organizations or causes. Because giving is addictive. And once you give and once you, once you shore up and once you hand out, suddenly you're like, wow, I'm part of this. Like, like I helped with this. It's a beautiful thing. But if you have trauma like me, then oftentimes it takes a, a bit of processing in order to get to a place where you feel comfortable with it. Here's a few of the questions I get asked on a regular basis about giving. First, how much should I give? I've said it today. I taught it. It's now being recorded, so you can hold it against me. You get to decide. I think if you look at the exhaustive teaching of Scripture, grace giving encompasses the tithe but allows us to decide as well. You get to decide. Another question or uh, concern is, I'm worried I won't have enough if I give too much. What can I do? The answer is try. Make a small step. Malachi 3.10, this is God talking. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. This is an Old Testament verse, so he uses that word. That there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Generosity has no limits, and you'll never know how generous you can be until you believe in God's generosity first. Next, I have a lot of debt. How should I give when I have so many payments? If you are frustrated with your ability to give, but have a heart to give, plan now to get out of debt so that you can participate in the church community. We uh, just wrapped up a financial peace university class, uh, I think just a couple weeks ago, and it was, it was really, really fun. And uh, so I'm told, because we already have other interests, that we're going to do another one, uh, I think we're hoping January, February-ish, somewhere in there. So if you're interested in that, when you see it advertised, sign up. Learn some healthy money management so that you can get to a place where you can be generous. When I give to Kessid, what do you do with the money? It's a great question. We operate and care for the church community from staff, building and ministry expense to benevolence, missions, and outreach. Oversight of this is all done by our board and not by me. This is really important you understand this. I don't see who writes what check. I have no idea who gives what in this church. So when you write a big old fat check and you're showing up and you're like, hey, Danny, and I'm like, hey, and I walk off, it's because I don't know. And also, when you skip because you're, you're a generous person and you don't give for a couple months for whatever reason, and you see me and you're like, hey, Danny. And I'm like, hey, I don't know. I'm not judging you. I don't know. I don't write checks. I'm not on the church bank account. I don't have access to that stuff. And that's on purpose 
because I'm just a guy like everybody else, and that stuff is hard for me to carry. So I haven't since the beginning of the church. That's what Pastor Tom does and the guys on the board that are on that team who are gifted that way. So I just want you to know that, that I don't know, I don't judge you, and I'm probably making a sad face at you for an entirely different reason. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. You'll have to figure that out. But I do know stuff, so just know. <laughs> Except for money. I don't know. How do I start giving? Pick a place. Ask the Lord how much and where. If he gives you the silent treatment, then you get to pick. Are you picking up a theme here? This is about relationship like everything else in the kingdom. Be with God. Ask God. Spend time and discover where he's calling you to. How about this one? I think I might be selfish. How can I move to being selfless? Again, try generosity on. Sometimes we wait for the heart to move us to action, and it never materializes. So some of us need to start with action and allow the heart to follow. Try it on. See what you think. Next, do you, Danny and Aaron, my wife, give to the church or another place? The answer is both. Just because we are employed here doesn't mean we don't give here. We primarily give back to Kesed, and then we also have some other things that we give privately on our own. Lastly, when it comes to you and what you should give to where, prayer, prayer, prayer. Nobody should be able to sit on stage and tell you where you should give, but somebody can sit on stage, this somebody, and tell you that we're all called by God to be generous and that your job is to go before him and ask, hey, God, how do you want me to steward the resources you've given me? How do you want me to, to engage in my community and in this world and in this kingdom building? Because that is what the resources ultimately are for. So your job is to pray, to evaluate, to, to judge, to consider, and then to be generous. Um, when I, uh, as I told you before, six, seven years into Kesed, no offering and so on, uh, and I didn't really know how I was ever going to be able to engage with this particular topic in the church. And yet the church kept growing and the needs kept arising. And then one day, a longtime family friend of mine, uh, Tom Lovelace and his wife Lisa, started coming to Kesed off and on uh, while we were still at Clark. And Tom eventually met with me, and he goes, hey, Danny. And, and again, Tom, I, my grandparents went to Tom's uh, parents' church. So I grew up falling asleep in that pew as a toddler in church, right? I grew up in church with him. It actually says in my baby book, I say it every time we talk about Tom, that Tommy came and visited Danny. So that's, you know, that's really special because I knew he loved me right then. I can just tell. But we had this relationship where he asked me eventually, what can I do to help? And I asked him, well, tell me more. And he said, well, I've pastored in all the different cities I've been around while I was moving and building my business. And what can I do to help here? And I thought about it, and I prayed about it, and I came to the conclusion quite quickly that I needed help with our finances. And so Tom took those. He then developed those. He then refined those. He then used his anointing. I believe God has really given him an anointing in this area to grow those. And while we're doing that, we're looking for a church home for a couple years together. And we're passing on multiple opportunities to put Kesed in a place that either the payment was too high or it just didn't fit right or it would have changed the culture too much. But the whole time Tom is taking a percentage and saving, taking a percentage and saving, all while we're growing and he's managing these funds. He did a lot of uh, Tom Says No stuff, for those of you who remember that season, where, you know, when we were 
when we were growing just kind of crazy a little bit like we are now, uh, I wanted to do a lot of stuff, but I had given Tom authority in my life. And so Tom said, Danny, I just don't think that's best. And so I told on him to the whole church. I was like, I really wanted to do this fun thing last week, but Tom said no. <laughs> and you know what happened? A ton of people in the church were like, good for you. Like, good for you. Good for you for being willing to sit with someone who has a different anointing than you and respect that process. Well, then we rent this building for a baptism. And I've told the story, and I'll say it again. The elder comes up afterwards, says, can I talk to you? Takes me in the back room. I think he wants the rent check. He ends up saying, what do you think of our building? I said, it's amazing. He said, do you want it? I said, I sure do. And he said, I'm going to put you in a process. And I was like, yes, my baptismal preaching, my, my charismaticness, my, my, the ability to orate. God, you're blessing it, and you're going you're gonna to give us a building. And they invited us into the process, and no lie, on the way to the meeting, I got uninvited. And they're like, we don't need you, Danny, because really what we want to see is how well your church has been stewarding its books and its resources. Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen, this church, First Baptist, existed three years before Washington was a state. When we signed the merger papers, it said Oregon Territory on them. So these people have been stewarding God's resources for well over 100 years. And they didn't need this mouth in the room. They needed somebody who could actually explain that they understood what it meant to steward resources. And so they walk into a meeting with Tom. I'm told I wasn't there. <laughs> and they look at the books, and suddenly Tom has this quite large nest egg, and they're like, you guys could have a building with this. This is a huge down payment. Why don't you have one? And Tom's like, we were just waiting for one. And they were like, we choose you. I believe that God honors the stewarding of his resources, and it should be more talked about, and it should be done in a healthy way, and it's really, really difficult, but that it's also really, really important. Kesed is a place of curiosity, tension, and now generosity, and I believe all those things are being experienced in this service and it's a beautiful thing to, uh, to evaluate. So here's what I want to do. We talked about my money story, Jesus' money story. So here's what I'd like, is I'd like you to hear now Tom's money story. So if you could, please give a warm welcome to Pastor Tom Lovelace. Hello, Hello my friend. friend. Hello, good morning. Good, good morning, third one. one. Fourth for me. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> Did you go over to Columbia as well? Last week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you for your willingness to, uh, to share with us. Uh, I'm, I'm really very grateful. You're welcome. So, uh, you did really good. Yeah. You did. I can't think of a topic I'd rather not talk about more than this. But I'm, but I'm grateful for your nudging and, uh, yeah, for the, the story God has blessed you with. With money. So a couple things about Tom, because he won't onboard himself well. Uh, Tom is the largest franchise holder for Papa Murphy's Pizza. They have close to 100 locations all across the country. Um, and uh, along with that, Tom owns a lot of the real estate that those, those stores are in as well. Um, I believe he has an anointing when it comes to uh, resources, and uh, that, that he is just a very, very powerful man in that arena. Um, as I said, he's been pastoring in all these different cities and uh, usually in the role of executive pastor as, you, as you've gone, which is the same role that he has here with our church um, the last, I think, coming up on seven years. So uh, I'll just uh, be quiet and let you share 
your story. You're going to be quiet? I am. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no it's fine. Um, yeah. Thanks, Danny. I, you know, I, we've had incredible blessings poured out upon our family and our business over the years, and I'm not sure why he, he chose to do that, but um, I like to believe it's been because we've been good stewards and been faithful in our giving. And, uh, but I can tell you that that's not really the world I grew up in. Um, that's something that he blessed us with later on in life. <clears throat> um, I was born right up the street at Memorial Hospital, just up the street, Main Street. And uh, back then, they didn't allow the, you know, the dads to come in the, to the delivery rooms. And so my dad walked down Main Street, right across the street here, had a hamburger and a milkshake uh, at Dairy Queen while I was being born. That's what I'm told. My dad walks back to the church, to the uh, to the hospital, and um, goes into the, to the my mom's room and finds this. Oh, there's more odds. There was, the other story was like, oh, oh, yeah. You haven't given the stats yet. Oh, the stats. Yeah. Uh, Eleven and a half pounds and almost two feet long. That's the ooh. Yeah, that's the ooh. Yeah. And my mom was tiny, so. Mm. So anyway, that's how I came in the world. Um, my, dad was, <laughs> my dad was a pastor uh, here locally for 42 years. And his first church uh, was up in Salmon Falls, right along the Washtenaw River. And I think we have a picture of that. Back in the day, uh, they would provide parsonages or small homes for the pastors uh, and their families to live. And it's usually right next to the church. And in this particular one, um, there was no running water. So my dad would go down to the Washougal River every day, get water for his family. And that's the home I came home to. Of course, I didn't know at the time that was bad, but it was, um, I, I guess, pretty humble beginnings, I, I would say. A few years after that, uh, my dad uh, became to pastor another church here in town where he pastored for 36 years at this one location. Again, a parsonage, uh, a small house, some may call shack, uh, next to the church. And it's in this house that I can remember you either walked up or you walked down with the unlevel floors and the condition of the place. Uh, my brother and I used to, used to race our cars, just let them go, and they'd roll downhill, and, and we had hours of fun doing that. Um, when we moved out of that house, they actually tore it down. It was, it was kind of that bad. You could see through the, through the walls and stuff. However, at that age, at about age five, uh, I learned the incredible gift of tithes and offerings. And uh, I was taught that by my dad. I was taught that in the church, and I was taught that in Sunday school. And uh, my dad would give me 25 cents allowance every week, and I would need to try and learn how to tithe two and a half cents a week, which I worked it out to be on a monthly basis. But I tithed from my, from my allowance. Um, you notice on, I don't have any pictures of the houses, of the parsonages, just pictures of the church. And I think that was because my mom uh, wanted it that way. Didn't want to have any memories of what those, those parsonages looked like. Um, fast forward to 12 or 13 years old. My dad sat me down on the green couch in our living room. And he said, son. And, you know, nothing ever was good after that. After he would say son to me, the, I knew something was coming. So it wasn't going to be, hey, we're going to Disneyland. <laughs> or I'm going to buy you that motorcycle. No, no, it was... He said, um, you know, I'll put a roof over your head, I'll put food in your belly, I'll put clothes on your back, but if you want anything extra, or those fancy clothes or whatever it is, you're going to have to work for it. Now, in retrospect, I think he may have lost out on the deal on the food and the belly part. <laughs> I, 
I'll have to ask him when I get to heaven to see if the, he regretted that part. But I think if he would have bought me a couple pairs of Nikes a year, I think he would have been better off. But um, So I started mowing yards for five bucks. I started picking strawberries in summer, cutting lettuce down in the Zeta Fields. I did anything I can to make money after school. At 14, I got my first real job with a paycheck. I worked as a dishwasher at uh, a local restaurant. Again, I was kind of big. I've always been big for my age, so there was no questions there. At 15, I held two jobs. I worked at McDonald's after school during the week, and I worked as a bouncer downtown Portland on the weekends. <laughs> uh, don't judge me. Uh, I was a preacher's kid. I could, I could do that. Um, actually, I, it, I worked for a security company that provided services, and I think I may have only told my dad that I worked for a security company, not so much that I was a bouncer at a nightclub. Anyway, uh, <laughs> transparency, huh? Um, at this point, for 10 years of my life, I had been tithing. From age 5 to 15, I had been giving of offerings, and that's just, that's just what I did. You go to 19 years old, and I marry this beautiful woman, Lisa, my wife. She's just a baby. 18. And uh, in this book right here, uh, I kept our first seven years of finance in here. And, uh, <laughs> you know, starting off, it, it's a little tight. And so I just want to show you one of the pages in here, maybe a couple of the pages. Uh, you can see on the left-hand side um, that that was the income. And that's actually, I think, I think on this page here, it's, uh, yeah, almost 40 years to the date, 40 years ago, I wrote in this page. Wouldn't have thought it'd be used in a, in a message, but um, on the right-hand side is my bills. And if you notice, I had church written down. Or I, I would write down church or tithe. I don't know why I would switch back and forth, but in almost every page in this book, I had church or tithe under, under the label of bills. Um, later on, a few years after that, the Lord taught us an incredible lesson, and that was that giving of tithe, giving of offering was not a bill. It wasn't like paying the PUD bill or the phone bill. And we had a change of heart in how we gave, and we chose to give with a grateful heart. We chose to give with, a jo with, with uh, joy, and um, it changed our world. He poured out blessings upon us that we could have never imagined at that point. And I think that was kind of the, the switch. It was the posture of our heart, Danny, that we switched from just writing a check to really giving to the Lord. And um, I believe he did that for us. Um, if you're out there and like Danny said, if you think you can't give anything or you're not giving or, or whatever that is, I would just say, again, just pray about it. Just have a conversation with God about it. You know, I think that, um, I think God sees the condition of our heart over the zeros on the check. I don't think he, it matters to him how many zeros are on that check. So I would just say start somewhere and, uh, you know, the blessings will follow, I believe. Yeah, is that okay? That's great. All right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So, so you you took on Kessid and me. Uh, some of the greatest blessings of your life. Greatest times of my life. Talk to us about Kessid's money story. Okay. Uh, you understood some of the the trauma. There's some other folks in here that came from, uh, from churches similar to the one I came from that were kind of tired of being shamed into giving. And uh, so I've, I've heard lots of refreshing things about how we don't talk about money here very often. And I've heard some folks that were concerned because it's such an important part of, 
of being a Christian. So when you walked in, kind of talk to us now about our church and where we're at. Yeah, um, I'll spend the time on where we're at now as opposed to where we were six or seven years ago. Um, but we are, we are a healthy church uh, financially. Uh, we live within our means for sure. And we, uh, with the gifts that we're giving, we're able to uh, advance ministries and, and be a positive part of the community. Uh, I will tell you this, you know, as in my role, I have to look at certain numbers and, and certain things. And so naturally we compare ourselves with other like-sized churches and kind of see how our payroll is or how, you know, different metrics are. Uh, if I just use last month as an example, we average about 1,800 people a weekend, both in person and online. And the giving for last month equaled out to be about, about $49 per person that came. Uh, through the month of November. That's, that's a monthly monthly gift. And, you know, that's on the lower end of the spectrum for churches our size, again. Um, that would mean like a family of five would give, give about, about, on average, about $250. Based on that metric, yeah. but we know that other, you know, yeah, we know people Yeah, of course, give, there's people that give a lot more and sure. some that don't at all. For sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so even just, you know, a little step that if we could take together would be, even if we increased that by $10 to where it was $59 per person, um, that would be that would have been an additional twenty thousand dollars to the church last month, so those little incre incremental increases really add up. And again, that all goes back into ministry and, and uh, to do what we need to do here at the church. How do how are we finding that people primarily give here? Is it through the the little boxes? <laughs> With the little with, envelopes. With the little envelopes, yeah. uh, or is it through? It's mostly online. It's mostly text to give. Um, you know, our, our text to give platform is, is really easy to use. It's something, it really saves the church a lot of money too because uh, the more volume we put through there, the lower the fees are. And there's actually even a box you can check when you go to there and you can even um, contribute to the fees too. The church pays no fees for that. And that's been a huge blessing. It's probably, probably saving us twelve to $1,500 a month by now in, in just fees. Just fees. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, Tom sent out a letter to a lot of you about the kind of uh, where we're at financially and what's going on with the downstairs, which we're not here to talk about that right now, but it's progressing nicely. Um, if some of you didn't get that letter, we've had people ask after service for it. So we have extra letters at the Welcome Center. And when you go to the Welcome Center, you can also fill out a communication card so you can be added to the regular letter that he sends out about church health and, and what we're doing. Um, Tom, anything else you want to add to just, just what, what it means, means to be a church, church full, full of generous, generous people? people? Um, I just, I just think the Lord blesses. I, I think he blesses the generosity. And, and again, I go back to, I think he just looks at our heart on that. And so it's not really the amount. It's not really anything else than the condition of our heart when we do give to the Lord. And I, and I think that pleases him. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Can we appreciate Tom? So here's, here's what we believe God is asking his church. Will we consider allowing God to make his generous heart known through us? Will, will, we, will we consider that this next season of ministry and all that we know God is bringing, uh, participating in that as a church family? And if not here, will you do it somewhere? Because your job and my job is to participate in this community and all of its attributes. Here's my own personal commitment, Tom. And Jesus, uh, I'm going to do a better job talking about this with you. Although it may feel awkward and, and uncomfortable, 
but uh, it is important, and I need to do a better job of stepping into the uncomfortable space like I have this entire weekend, and that uh, I really hope God blesses. Um, I also believe that the reason this is important is that so, uh, not so that we build a bigger thing or a, or a brighter thing, but so that we don't miss the opportunity to show the world around us the generous love of Jesus. Um, and I want to close today with a story that I think will, uh, will illustrate, I, I love what Tom said, that it really has nothing to do with the zeros on the check. It has to do with our heart posture and participating in the church community. Um, a little while ago, my wife and I were sitting in front of the church uh, before we were going into the offices and we were having a discussion and this uh, little old woman walked right by our car up to the front of the church. And she was an Eastern European woman by the look. She had her scarf on and her shawl and she had this two-cart kind of a uh, sort of, it kind of looked like a stroller, but it wasn't. It was just kind of this unique thing with two baskets on it. And she wheeled up to the front of the church, right in front of the front doors, and then she took a step back and she just sat there. And I was like, what is she doing? And Aaron goes, I don't know what she's doing. And so we just watched her and she just looked at the whole church side to side. And then she began to lift up the, the coverings on her cart. And then she pulled out this brown paper bag <laughs> with handles. And she took it, and she walked it over under the covering out of the rain where the elevator is, and she just sat it down like so. And then she went back to her cart, and then she stood like this for what seemed like forever looking at the brown bag. And I was like, is it going to move? <laughs> like, what's in the bag? And she stared at it, and then she covered her cart back up, and then she just walked off down the road. So, of course, Aaron and I were like, huh, well, that's interesting. So we decided to go over and look through the bag. On the very top of the bag was a sign where she wrote the words, donation. She then had items that appeared to be fairly well thought out for our church. First was enough gum for everybody. Next was a can of tuna fish. Next was ultra soft facial squares, Swippers, premium product. <laughs> Next was an unopened package of paper plates. Next was Olay Complete Daily Moisturizer with Sunscreen. <laughs> Next was Olay Active Hydrating, 48-hour Hydration Beauty Fluid Lotion, the original. And next was Home Perm, the original. And then at the bottom of the bag was an open package of toilet paper. When I saw this, I was like, huh. Now remember, I believe this is an incredible picture of generosity because there's one more thing in the bag. I believe when she thought through this, she, she said to the side, I think this was probably a lot for her to give, that she decided it was going to go to a church probably near her home. And so in the bottom of the bag, lastly, is a single roll unopened package 
of toilet paper. I believe this is what generosity looks like. It's about giving what you're called to give to God. It's about being thoughtful about the way the resources are used and and who they're given to. and, And it's about a plan. This right here, I believe, blesses the Lord. This woman had no idea that her act of generosity would be presented to probably almost 2,000 people as an example of what it means to participate in a church, by the way, guys, she doesn't even go to. We are called to support the movement and the kingdom of God. And if it's not here, like her, go find a place that you're called. Stand back from it. Look at it. And then decide, okay, Lord, you do what you want to do with this small amount. Because who knows what God would do? Maybe he will bless you like he's blessed my own life. From brown paper bag when we started to brown paper bag. I believe it's an incredible, incredible opportunity for us to be the people and the children of God we're supposed to be. I'm excited to see what he does with it. Uh, Will you stand? I'm going to ask Pastor Tom to uh, pray a prayer of generosity over us. Again, thank you for uh, being the church that that can walk into these uncomfortable spaces. I'm grateful to be here with you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we are so thankful, Lord, for you, and we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that uh, we will all take this um, home with us, Lord God, and in our quiet times with you, that we can ask you, Lord, are are you pleased in this area of our life? Where can I improve? What can I do better? How can I be more um, kind and and more thoughtful in my giving, uh, wherever I give to? Lord, let us apply these principles we learned today to our lives, Lord Jesus. Father God, I thank you for all you're doing here at Kessa Church, at your church, Lord God. And uh, we just pray that you will be with each and every person as they go home today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Again, there's letters at the Welcome Center, and if you want to turn in your information, we can email you more. God bless. Have a great week.